0: Digital as a way of really capturing the whole space across the country as opposed to, you know, uh, continuing to focus uh, potentially within the metros. And so this is really about trying to, you know, capture the whole of the Indian economy and set it up for the next 25 years. So um, what GDP impact will be short term is probably a little too early to say.
1: And how did the Indian markets react to the budget overall?
0: Well, the bond market uh, didn't like it initially because there was an expectation that there would be a change in this tax treatment of capital gains on bonds um and this would have uh, you know affirmed the inclusion of indian bonds into the global bond indices and that didn't happen so you uh, bonds uh rally you know, yields went up about 20 basis points quite aggressive equity markets liked it uh, they see it uh, you know uh, very strongly so in fact that was probably but that's also in line with some of the recovery in the broader indices around the world but generally speaking it was held well i think that the public discourse has been good um, it's a budget for investment. It's a budget for the market, if you will. Um, so, yeah, overall, it was taken positively.
1: Toby, thanks very much. Have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this shortened uh, week. In Australia, the SX200 is up 0.2%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225, also up 0.2%. Uh, The Cosby has jumped about 1.4% in South Korea. Futures markets indicating a gain of about 350 points for the Hang Seng at the open. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil trading at $91.02 a barrel. Gold is at $1,806 an ounce. That's it for me. Have a great uh, weekend. I'll be back Monday morning at 8 o'clock. Back chat's coming up after the news with Andrew Work and Jim Gould this morning. The weather forecast for today. Many cloudy, cold in the morning. It's going to be fine in the afternoon, maximum temperature of around 17 degrees. And we'll remain cold uh, tomorrow morning, but temperatures will rise slightly next week. That cold weather warning is still in force. It's 13 degrees right now, 72% relative humidity.
2: 8:32, here's Todd Harding with the half hour news. The Deputy Commissioner for Labour, Jeff Leung, has become the highest-ranking official to contract COVID-19 since the pandemic began two years ago. Aaron Tam reports. The Labour Department says the workplace of Jeff Leung, who's the Deputy Commissioner for Occupational Safety
3: and Health, will be thoroughly disinfected. In a statement, it said that Mr. Lung last worked at his office, located on the 16th floor of the Harbour Building in Central, on Monday, ahead of the Lunar New Year holiday. The department stressed he didn't have any meetings that day and that he did not come into contact with members of the public when he was at work. It said it'll cooperate with the Centre for Health Protection in taking appropriate follow-up actions and will continue to strictly implement anti-COVID measures. Staff who are feeling unwell should also immediately seek medical advice and inform the department, it said.
2: A leading epidemiologist, Benjamin Cowling, says the government should divert resources away from inoculating children against COVID towards boosting the vaccination rate in elderly people. Just over 30% of people aged 80 and over are vaccinated. Professor Cowling, the University of Hong Kong's Chair of Epidemiology, told RTHK there had been an exponential increase in COVID-19 cases in the past couple of weeks.
4: If it's not feasible to get back down to zero, I think we've we've got to think carefully about what the strategy is. Because if we spend a lot of energy, a lot of resources, a lot of effort on containment, when it's it's really difficult to contain, we're, we're missing the chance to do better mitigation Instead, and I still think the absolute number one priority right now is to get more older people vaccinated. Um, and, and in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a, an increase in, in vaccination rates, but it's a
2: small increase. The government has yet to announce the lifting of lockdowns imposed overnight on four residential blocks in Tai Po and Tun Mun. Authorities say sewage samples from Fu Chong, Kwai Chong, and Wing Chong Courts of Fortune Plaza in Tai Po tested positive for COVID-19 and there may be asymptomatic patients in those buildings. They also said several COVID infections were found in Hing Ping House of Tai Hing Estate. U.S. President Joe Biden has called on lawmakers to collaborate to end gun violence during a visit to New York, where recent shootings of police have highlighted a growing fear of violent disorder in American cities. Mr. Biden said enough was enough. Every day in this country, uh 316 people are shot, 106 are killed, and six NYPD officers have been victims of gun violence so far just this year. 64 children injured by gun violence so far this year, 26 killed. It's enough. Enough is enough because we know we can do things about this. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
5: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I am Andrew Work here today with RTHK's
3: main man, Jim Gould. Good morning. Thanks, Andrew. I've been called lots of things, but not that very often. All right. Well, in my heart, you are the main man. Thank you for inviting me to do the
5: first Back Chat of the wet and watery Year of the Tiger. The Olympics are nigh. We are piling deep into the snowbank of the Winter Olympics today before looking ahead into the Year of the Tiger. Beijing will host the world's first uh, China's first winter games from February 4th to 20th with the opening ceremony taking place tonight at 730 pm. Hong Kong Time tune in if you can. This is a game like no other in that it is happening in a city that is the first to host a winter and a summer's game. Like previous games, the focus is on the athletes, but there are going to be plenty of sideshows from the worlds of business, celebrity, and politics for us to explore in today's show. But the extra dimension that is shared with the Tokyo Games is competing with COVID, which is already taking its toll on some teams even before the games begin. After 9.15, we'll be joined by Feng Shui master Raymond Lowe to talk about forecasts for the Year of the Tiger. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, which is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Or just give us a call at 2338-8266. Uh, we've got two great guests to kick off, and we're going to be bringing more online as the show proceeds. Uh, let's start today. We've got Frank Fu, who's an emeritus professor with the Department of Sport, Physical Education, and Health at Hong Kong Baptist University from right down the hill. Good morning, Professor Fu. And we've also got Joseph Mahoney, who's a professor of politics at East China Normal University in Shanghai. Uh, professor Mahoney, are you with us this morning?
6: I am. Thank yeah. you. Good morning.
5: Good morning fantastic great to have you on we're really you know everybody in hong kong has got their eyes uh, to the north and is is watching what's happening with the games but what is the mood like in china right now what you know I, i imagine people are pretty amped up there
6: I think they are. You know, one of the things that, uh, uh, because I, I just recently returned to China. I was stuck in the United States for, for a couple of years, what I call COVID exile. And, you know, all the press that you see there is so negative um, about the Olympics. There's this, there's this, you know, just politicization of it uh, constantly. And I was uh, I was here in Shanghai um, um, as of last month, and uh, uh, a few days ago for the, um, for the uh, uh, New Year, New Year's Eve, I... I, I Rarely turn on the television, but I, I turned on uh, uh, CCTV uh, ahead of the gala show, and I started seeing some of the the promos associated with the Olympics, and it, it, it was it was so beautiful. It, it was you know there's always sort of this uh, tremendous beauty involved with with the Winter Olympics, but there's also this sublime beauty, and, and it, it it struck me that that a lot of people seem to be missing this point. In in the world, and and really are perhaps even psychologically desperate for it at this point in time, given the the struggles that many people have had the last couple of years. Um, so it was it was this it was particularly striking to see it in that moment because I I don't uh, again watch that much television, but um, yeah, if you look at, at media in in China today, if you look uh, among uh, a, a great number of people, um, there's this tremendous excitement about. Uh, what's happening, and, and uh, a celebration uh, uh, about to begin.
5: Because you know, usually in the lead up to a games, there's lots of talk about how much it's going to cost, and the politics, and was it worth it, and all these things. And then it all, you know, everybody forgets that. You know, once the opening ceremonies uh, kick off, uh, ha- has there been any of that kind of talk in China leading up to the opening ceremonies today?
6: You know, I, I think that I think that uh, Beijing has has done. A, a remarkable job uh, trying to manage the conversation you know they they saw what happened in Japan they saw that uh, a lot of Japanese were were upset that the games were proceeding um, that there was this uh, perception uh, right or wrong that the games would be uh, an entry point for um, more foreign entry of, of, uh, of infection um, and so you know, there, there's always this this uh, tendency in Beijing to try to restrain uh, uh, some of the, the worst forms of, of Chinese nationalism, which tend towards uh, xenophobia and isolationism. Um, you know, there's always sort of this push to try to be open and, and to go outward and to bring people inward. And COVID has certainly strained that. Certainly, zero COVID policies. So, you know, I think that um, I think that you know, once uh, Beijing. Was able to demonstrate, I think, to the Chinese people that they could contain uh, the disease and that they could limit um, uh, the Olympics as a, as a as a site of spread. I think people uh, relaxed a lot more, and then you know I think we saw news either today or yesterday that uh, that there's now a scheme to allow I think up to 150,000 Chinese spectators to, to participate. So. Uh, I think it's all moving in the right direction, and I think people are, are increasingly confident and, and feel very positive about it.
3: So, Professor, do you have any insight into what we can expect from the opening ceremony tonight? I mean, the, the, the movie director Zhang Mo is in charge of that, as he was for the uh, Summer Games, uh, the opening and closing ceremonies, I believe, in 2008. Um, um, what do you think it's going to look like?
6: You know, I have no idea, but I'm very fascinated by this because I, I did a lot of a lot of study uh, associated with the V08 uh, ceremony. And you know, one of the things that we have to remember, uh, because I think the V08 ceremony is kind of haunting um, uh, contemporary discussions about the Olympics. You know, the V08 ceremony, the Olympics took. few months later, we have uh, the U.S.-instigated uh, global financial crisis. And, you know, we talk about sort of three years when sort of double events on the Chinese side versus the American side kind of define uh, China's rise and, and, and American decline in 2001, with China joining the WTO uh, versus uh, the United States um, uh, getting involved with uh, 9-11, and then oh eight, the Olympics versus uh, the financial crisis and then um uh, uh you know most recently uh, the spectacular failures of, of covid control uh in, in the united states versus the, the exact opposite in china so there's there's been this there's been this sort of double um moment in these in these three periods so uh, a lot there's been some talk in, in recent years that maybe um the the spectacle of 08 was uh, had had created some backlash that it had. That it had, in, in, in fact, you know, maybe frightened the world that China was uh, had arrived in, in some incredible way, that it was no longer a developing country, perhaps, or that it was, you know, a threat to others. So my expectation is um, that that the game, the, the, the ceremony tonight, will be um, um, a lot more demure, um, less about spectacle, more about. Simple positive messaging, values messaging. Um, uh, I think that's one of the things we've seen in the last week or two from a lot of the voice of China um, uh, media is uh, of trying to avoid uh, any sort of negative messaging. There's been a lot of a lot less discussion about uh, U.S.-China relations, for example. Only basic mentions of you know, okay, we've got this crisis in Ponga, we've got this crisis in Ukraine, but. You know, trying to stay away from and, and, and de-emphasize um, politics uh, to give, to give uh, positive space uh, to the Olympics. So I expect that we'll see um, something beautiful, but, but uh, again, something that reflects the, the sublime quality that we, that we often associate uh, with the, the Winter Olympics.
5: Yeah, Fra- Frank Fu uh, from Hong Kong Baptist University is with us as well this morning. Uh, good morning, Frank. Good morning.
7: Good morning.
3: Good
5: morning. Good morning. Hey, so so you're you're with the Department of Sport, uh, Physical Education and Health at Hong Kong Baptist. U in the world of sports. What can you tell us about the Hong Kong team that's going up and and uh, how they've been preparing for this?
7: Well, we have three athletes, uh, two two male and one female, and uh, two alpine skier and one speed skater. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, the uh, speed skater is clean in Hong Kong basically, and. Uh, uh, the two alpine here are trained in the U.S. Uh, in, in, in the Boston area. You know, um, one of our female athletes was uh, was uh, was tested positive, but uh, luckily she was tested negative for the uh, following two days. Now, now she's training, and I think she would be able to uh, compete next Wednesday. Yeah. That was a bit uh, of a bit.
3: It was a bit of a scare for Audrey King, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, she, te- yes, she tested so, uh, positive on arrival yeah. in Beijing, yeah. but now she's twice tested negative and is out of quarantine. So it's a right. situation. Yeah, we can't better. lose that many, can we? We get
5: one go down. There's a third of our a third right. of our team going. Sure. Frank, did, <laughs> anybody, did anybody from Hong Kong go up to be part of that that organizing the teams up there, or they or did they pretty much travel up there as their own contained No, unit no, no. no. We COVID. we have a lo- local uh,
7: association which have mm-hmm. been doing. Uh, hard work for the past 10 years trying to identify skiers and skaters to send them to the Winter Olympics. Yeah, we've, that, that association, that national, uh, local national association, has been doing uh, a, a difficult job for the past 10 years. We've been trying to recruit and train the, uh, skiers, skaters uh, to go up the, uh, to attend the Winter Olympics. Okay? This is not the first time we send people to the Winter Olympics. You know, we have sent people before. To the
3: national games, you know, and the uh, Olympics before. So, That's so, 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 A- so, Adrian and Audrey uh, train in the United States. Uh, Sidney right. Chu, the speed skater, is he, he, right. he trains in Hong Kong. As uh, w- w- what kind of uh, special facilities
7: do we have here? Well, we do have some uh, skating rinks, but not, uh, not, 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 not for com- competition. Mm. And uh, we do. Uh, 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 and, uh, we do have other skating, uh, other activity. You know, we we have ice hockey in Hong Kong too. You know, figure skating and all this, but uh, they are not well publicized, or so few people know about it. But uh, uh, we do have a local uh, sport association working very hard to promote the winter sports.
5: Oh yeah, so I, I you know, full disclosure, I'm Canadian, so I'm, I'm pretty involved with the hockey scene uh, here in Hong Kong. They get me to come and. Call their, their opening uh, their opening matches and some sometimes their closing ones. Um, so Frank, I mean, yeah. I do, we're, we're only going to have a couple of days where we can watch our Hong Kong athletes in action. Uh, is, is, do you know if it's going to be broadcast locally? Is that something we're going to be able to participate in?
7: Uh, I, I'm I'm sure they would. Uh, our local station will will broadcast oh. those uh, two moments for us because yeah. the downhill uh, alpine ski is only what A few runs, you know, and also the ice, speed skating. We will we, we'll
3: be able to watch them, I'm sure. Yeah. In fact, RTHK TV32 will be showing action from the Olympics
7: right. every day. Right.
5: No, that was good. We'll get a plug-in for, uh, we'll plug for RTHK <laughs> on there. Um, uh, Professor Mahoney, um, obviously uh, people in China are going to have a lot more opportunity to see the Olympics. I know the last time they had the Olympics in China, apparently it was broadcast everywhere all the time. Like you, you literally couldn't step out of your, your home without seeing the Olympics on a screen somewhere. Are, are you already starting to see that? that are, are shops and things setting up? for viewing and shopping malls and public spaces?
6: Well, you know, I think uh, just the last few days, of course, uh, we've still been in the the sort of post uh, uh, New Year malaise where a lot of shops haven't yet reopened, uh, especially here in Shanghai. Because, you know, some of the Nearly 30 million people who live in Shanghai. A, a great number of them aren't from Shanghai originally, and so uh, I wouldn't say that Shanghai becomes a ghost town during Chinese New Year. But a very large number of them go uh, back to wherever they came from, and um, and you know that is, that includes a lot of shop owners and and uh, people who would be out and about. So um, I, I've been out I've been out and around the city um, uh, many places uh, the last few days, and. and um, and there's not yet that level um, of engagement publicly. Um, the shopping malls are, are just starting to, to, people are just starting to trickle back. And it's cold here. It's been cold and raining uh, for the past week or so. so um, but, no, I, I think that what we'll see, uh, we, we generally see, um, and, and, you know, whether it's um, uh, the Olympics uh, somewhere else or the Olympics in China, uh, you know, when it was Olympics in, in in Japan last year, there was a tremendous amount of excitement. When there's the World Cup, there's a tremendous people really like to watch uh, these types of uh, uh, world sporting events in China. Sure. Um, and of course, I think they'll be even more inclined to do so with with uh, the focus on Beijing.
5: I, I know the COVID. I you know I'm sure they're fanatic about trying to contain any kind of a COVID outbreak in Beijing right now. But are you seeing either health security or security security, if you know what I mean? Uh, being increased during uh, during this time, like, are you feeling it across the country in Shanghai as well? Like, are, and I guess because a, they, they, you know, be terrible to have a COVID outbreak anywhere in China during the Olympics, and b, uh, people might see it as an opportunity to make political hay, and so you would imagine normal security would be increased. Are you seeing that? Are there more police out in the streets? Are the health checks up? Mm, I don't
6: think so. I, I think that uh, you know we we saw uh, uh, a little uptick in, in um, um, health security uh, following the problems in Xi'an and Tianjin. Um, it's it's a little difficult to judge things from Shanghai because uh, Shanghai is probably the leader in the world right now, certainly the leader in China, in, uh, in local containment. Uh, the way they handle many outbreaks here, the way they focus on specific sites to contact tracing, I I formerly worked as an epidemiologist for the Centers for Disease Control in in, in the United States. It's it's really been uh, incredible to observe this uh, firsthand, and uh, especially after seeing the complete breakdown, witnessing that in in the U.S. But um, we do know that um, you know one of the one of the key values of the the zero code strategy from the beginning was to protect the capital. um, the capital and, and certainly has uh, a lot of symbolic value uh, to to the uh, government and to the people, and so much as uh, if you can't get the capital then, then, then what can you do uh, and i think I think when it, when we had the spread and a lot it was very worrying in, in the proximity of of those two places, and the fact that you know there's this plan to to basically merge uh, it, it's it's already starting to, to go forward. Uh, to merge uh, Tianjin and Beijing under a single government, so um, so there you know there are the concerns that, that you know, what, how how well was was the protect the capital strategy working, but all of that seems to have held. I think we had uh, this morning uh, twenty one local or twenty one uh, 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 domestic cases, uh, not import uh, cases reported uh, yesterday. So uh, I think again these are remarkable numbers. I think. Mean, uh there was some concern that omicron was was you know was going to finally break the zero covid strategy because it's so contagious and it it um it's um uh, it it tends to um uh, manifest and present disease much faster um but uh so far it's holding and uh and and uh i think people are are feeling good about it as for general security you know uh, worry about terror attacks uh, i haven't seen anything above uh... about the norm um, and i'm very sensitive to that because i remember when that started coming um, into view um, uh... six or seven years ago um, we still have the, the same basic uh, security checks when you uh... enter the the, the, the subways for example um, um, but it's it's very unobtrusive You're either your bag is scanned or you can show you, your bag and um, so
3: there's, I haven't seen anything that uh, that dramatically increases. Business as usual. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Jim? Uh, Frank Fu, yeah. uh, um, yeah. although we have the opening ceremony tonight, the action's already started, of course, uh, started this week. Uh, um, for Winter Olympics, we think of events like downhill skiing, um, uh, cross-country skiing, curling, snowboarding. Uh, w- w- what are some of the highlights, do you think, uh, that we can look forward to in the next couple of weeks?
7: <laughs> we have uh, two alpine skiers and one uh, speed skater, right? And we'll will be, I'm sure we'll be looking at those events. But China's doing well in curling, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and figure uh, skating, uh, freestyle skiing, and all this. And um, I, I think uh, the um, yeah, there, there are some strength in from formations uh, in figure skating too from Japan and others, okay, but the other major sports from Europe, you know, like, uh, you know, bobsled and uh, alpine skiing, they are very exciting to
5: watch. Do you have any idea of where where China might do well? I mean, I I know in particular, uh, you know, Jim mentioned curling. The Chinese women's curling team is coached by a Canadian, so you know they're going to be hard to beat, uh, you know, getting my (laughs) plugs in there. Uh, But what other other areas, you know, where do you think China's targeting medals? I think
7: the uh, freestyle skiing and the uh, curling and the figure uh, skating, uh, we, uh, China has a good team in those areas. You know, uh, other than that, the Europeans and U.S. and Canadian are very strong in the the other events. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um, but you will see some gold medal won by by China. I, I'm sure this Winter Olympics.
3: Uh, and, and what about Norway? I mean, small, small country, of obviously in terms of population. But um, but the, the the last Winter Olympics, Norway were top of the medals table, weren't they? I mean, um, how yeah, how, yeah. How, are they, how do you think they're positioned this time?
7: I think the European culture is you know, very good, uh, uh, you know, because they're they are so cold for six months a year, you know, in Upper Europe, and uh, so they have a lot of ice. And uh, the trouble of uh, Beijing, even with the, Olympics, with the Olympics, is they don't have enough ice, you know, right? They have to make ice for nearly a couple of months before they can uh, host the you know, Winter Olympics now. So they are cold enough, but they they, are, they they don't have enough ice. They have to make ice, mm.
3: and a, a lot of uh, artificial uh, snow as well. So
7: right, right. But uh, yeah. I think in Canada, in America, especially in Europe, in the Norwegian area, uh, they, they, they 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 can ski until up to March and April, right? So from from six, maybe six months a year. Yeah.
5: Yeah. There was there was a great story about the guy that's making ice for the curling, and now they've taken the uh, the what was it the the cube they had for swimming the swimming pool they had for the Beijing yeah. Summer Olympics. Now they've turned it into the ice cube uh, <laughs> for the Winter Olympics, and kind of the trials and travails that he had to go through to get the ice right. In that building, which you know clearly wasn't designed to be uh, designed to be an ice producing facility, Um, Professor Mahoney, I do want to ask you uh, as we head into the the break at nine o'clock. China's uh, central bank digital currency. I'm not sure if you have this on your radar, but I know it's being tested all across the country. It's a bit of an area of interest of mine. Um, This was supposed to be the international coming out party for the central bank digital currency. The idea was that the international visitors were going to be asked to use it while they were there. But now it, it seems like that's all gone very quiet. Um, it seems like they're in a bubble that they're almost not even going to have a chance to spend any money anywhere because everything will be provided for within the bubble. They're not going to be roaming the city visiting stores and restaurants. Have you heard anything about the use of the central bank digital currency uh, for athletes and their support teams as they come into Beijing for the Olympics?
6: I have not. Uh, I do know that uh, that there have been some trials, of course, and I'm sure you've followed this in the media. Some trials uh, in certain areas, uh, particularly involving uh, government employees, and uh, I think that um, I think that uh, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of discussion taking place in China right now about um, about those experiments. Uh, I think you are right that uh, given the fact that most people are being Kept in a bubble, uh, in the, in the closed loop, as I think it's called, um, is that there are not many opportunities to uh, to use that. So it would it would have been much ado about nothing. Um, so uh, and, and at the same time, I, I have some colleagues who work in and, think, and uh, from what I understand, there are a number of efforts underway. Uh, to build, uh, and this is a little outside of my my field of expertise, but um, there are efforts underway right now to to build uh, out some of the digital architecture that would make this um, uh, something that would uh, uh, be much more meaningful beyond sort of the the pilot programs that we've seen. And that effort is expected to mature uh, in the near term, but but hasn't... um, hasn't uh, reached that point yet. So I think that we're seeing um, uh, it it slowly reach the finish line in terms of the technology, but also still trying to gauge um, some of the political ramifications, how it's being received, um, and uh, um, um, what what its relationship will be to um, other things like uh, cryptocurrency, you know, there, there are estimates, for example, that uh, the majority of Bitcoin in the world is is actually owned by by Chinese people. Of course, this is um, a matter of some controversy for the government. But uh, um, so all of this is is I think uh, swirling around right now, and we we haven't yet found that decisive movement forward. And I, and I think this is partially related to why. Um, mm. We haven't
5: seen a coming out party uh, at the Olympics. Gotcha. Well, it's, it's kind of like, I think with COVID, a lot, of, a lot of kids' tests got canceled, and some kids were happy that they didn't have to do the test, and other kids felt like they'd missed out after they prepped for it. I'm not too sure where this falls on the spectrum. Um, we're coming up on the break for the news. We've got two guests with us today who are both going to be staying with us after the break, so stay tuned. We're also going to be welcoming Pollux Young, who is a former national-level athlete for Canada, and he was a participant in the opening ceremony of the olympic games uh now the weather
2: uh it's going to be mainly cloudy the current temperature is 13 degrees you're listening to the news on rthk and we're back on Chat. i'm andrew work here with jim gould and we are talking the
5: winter olympics kicking off today in beijing we've got with us frank fu who's an emeritus professor from hong kong baptist university for the department of sport physical education and health Also, Joseph Mahoney, he's a professor of politics at East China Normal University in Shanghai. Uh, And now we are going to welcome Pollux Young, who is a uh, former national uh, level figure skater for the country of Canada. And he was behind the scenes and then in the spotlight as a participant in the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. Good morning to you all and welcome to Pollux Young. Hi.
4: Good morning.
5: Good morning. Good morning. I've got Good morning. Now, we are all looking forward to this, Jim. I think we're going to be showing the uh, the Winter Olympics uh, opening ceremony tonight on RTHK. Yeah.
3: Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned before. So uh, so RTHK TV channel thirty two is going to be showing um, a lot of the uh, Winter Olympics, uh, the opening ceremony and the closing ceremonies. The opening ceremony tonight, and and uh, uh, we're also showing about five hours of live competition every day, right. about totaling about uh, at least sixty hours over the whole tournament.
5: Fantastic. I think last time, uh, the, the last time, the last Olympics, I was watching ping, ping pong uh, at the dentist office. I so hope we'll be seeing it on RTHK mm-hmm. again. We've got an email here from TC Tong. Uh, oh, sorry, from our Facebook page. He's one of our top fans. Uh, he says, the 2022 Winter Olympics will have an unprecedented chance to correct a mistake in the 20, 2008 Summer Olympics. The wonderful rendition of Ode to the Motherland was actually lip synced. I'd love to see Yang Pei Yi, the actual singer, to sing for real in the 2022 Winter Olympics opening ceremony. Uh, rarely is there a chance to correct a mistake in a once-in-a-lifetime event. Well, TC, I'm not too sure if the uh, opening ceremony organizers are taking cues from our show this morning, but if they are, your word is in. Pollux, you were there. You were actually in the spotlight, uh, skating in the opening ceremonies in Vancouver. Is that correct?
4: Uh, yes. So it was, uh, it was a big team of us back in uh, Burnaby Uh that... It was a it was a big group of us that participated in the opening for the figure skating uh, and skating event for the twenty ten Olympics.
5: And what was the process? How how did they how did they find you guys? Uh, how much you know? How much time did you have to put in rehearsal? And you know, then going to get fitted for costumes, I guess. I mean, I don't know. What was it like being somebody participating?
4: Yeah, it was definitely a very memorable experience. Uh, so I wasn't entirely sure as to how, what the recruiting process was for. You know. Finding finding us uh, and a team of us to you know to perform during the uh, opening ceremony, but but it was definitely a very surreal experience. It was, um you know we had different you know the colors of the uh, the co- our colors of the costume were based on you know the Olympic rings, you know five different colors, right? And so we were these big giant you know one piece suited uh, colors. Uh, and then basically, the the you know we were practicing. Everybody had their own little routine. Um, you know, everybody was doing jumps. And I think you know we spent about a week, two weeks. I think a very good two weeks where we just focused on you know preparing for 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 this uh, big event back in 2010, back in Vancouver, where where I am myself from. So. It was definitely a very, very um, memorable experience.
5: So when you say two weeks, were you in there like eight hours a day for two weeks, or would you go in for an hour every day? Like, how much commitment was it?
4: I think um, it was was a lot of commitment. It was, you know, to showcase, you know, uh, talent that was in, you know, Canada. It was a lot of us, you know, back in Vancouver, where, you know, some of the... Uh, participants in the openings, uh, some of, you know, part of our team were, you know, these national, international uh, known athletes uh, like Kevin Reynolds and Jeremy Ten and, you know, some of these really big athletes back in the day. And, uh, yes, we did spend, you know, uh, a pretty sizable amount of time, I would say, hours and hours. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I would say, you know, full days at a time, a couple of days a week for you know 2 3 weeks and it it was it was it was definitely a long time but all very memorable all very exciting stuff because we were able to you know participate at the Olympics which you know happens every 4 years and is something that you know we look very forward to
5: Did you get to keep the outfit?
4: Uh we got to keep the Olympic entry pass.
5: Oh but they didn't let you keep your costume.
4: I think I think the costume is in in my closet somewhere but um but I never wanted to take it out because it was a one-piece, you know, single-color uh, costume. So, I mean, maybe for an Halloween.
5: Maybe but, you can uh, put, it up, put it on today to watch the opening ceremonies or, or, I yes, mean, like, or sell it good. on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Uh, Frank Fu, are there going to be any Hong Kongers in the opening ceremony tonight? Are they, are they, are they asked to participate?
3: I mean, not,
7: aside from not, the athletes? Not that I know of. No, not that I know of.
3: I think I think uh, I think Sydney uh, Chu is going to lead the Hong Kong uh, the, the, the yeah. Hong Kong representation. Yeah.
7: The, the marching, but uh, I, I think they train a lot of youngster youth uh, for opening this time in the show. The local kids in the Beijing area.
5: Okay, so that's good. And uh, you, you don't know if they're going to be having uh, kind of world-class athletes like Pollux Young who are actually going to be performing in some way because Pollux didn't just march. He skated. So it was quite, uh, you know, a little little more complex, I guess, at that level. Are they, are they going to have those kinds of people involved? Well,
7: uh, there, there's a lot of commitment. Like you say, you know, preparing an opening ceremony probably take about six months or more uh, from local participants. So it's difficult for overseas people to 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 have that much time to spend in uh, Beijing to prepare for this opening ceremony. So I think you see all these participants are from the local area, especially the young kids.
5: Yeah, and I, I guess I contrast this as you said, Pollux, uh They had people from across Canada at the at the opening one, but I guess with COVID, that's not necessarily possible for these Olympics. But it, but was that the case when you did it in Vancouver? It was across Canada. Uh,
4: back so back in 2010, I think it was uh, it was. Uh, within the B C region I think it was a lot of uh, a lot of figure skaters that uh, the basically they picked for us to participate. So it was it was all in B C but then yeah, it was we, we I guess we represented, you know, for the uh, opening ceremony. Gotcha. At B C. Yeah. Okay. British um, Columbia sorry.
3: Uh, Joseph Gregory Mahoney, um, um, what are the uh, expectations uh, up there? I mean, among people, among the the public, for uh, for medals at these uh, Winter Games? I mean, we've mentioned uh, a curling, uh, figure skating, various areas where where China's strong. But um, um, how do you think how do you think China's likely to do overall? Well, let me let
6: me just. Uh, before I answer that, that I'm that I'm rooting for Sidney Chu. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he, uh, he graduated from my alma mater, uh, um, toward Washington University. I've been uh, seeing a lot of uh, wow. you know messages from the university wishing him and uh, well, and so it's, it's very exciting to, to have that sense of connection. Plus, I have a deep affection for Hong Kong, so uh, I hope he performs well. In, in the case of uh, Chinese performance, I, I, I my my feeling is you know. Several years ago, we know China started this program where they wanted to compete for gold in, in every sport uh, in, in the Olympics. And um, um, I, I thought, you know, well, that's that's a very admirable thing. It, it, it allows the country to develop sport. We've seen this massive effort to to to, uh, to uh, um, promote uh, winter sports, in particular, in China. Uh, and we see this uh, percolating, uh, you know, in Shanghai even, where we don't really. Uh, have a, a suitable climate. We have nearby um, uh, places where people go and enjoy the fake snow. But I, I suspect that um, that China will perform well, but the worst thing that could happen in terms of public relations is if China um, um, uh, wins too many medals. Um, you know, uh, then we'll hear all these allegations that, that China had um, a home field advantage because of the, the COVID isolation, the fact that people had their training regimes uh, uh, interrupted in some cases by, by um, testing positive or, or various isolation measures. So, um, you know, I think that China will 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 perform um, uh, as it normally does. Uh, I haven't seen any projections that they're expected to to uh, significantly outperform uh, previous Winter Olympics. Um, but I, I, again, I, I do think that if they if they do radically outperform it, it would uh, almost backfire certainly um, in the in the international media. But uh, I think the Chinese people themselves would be quite pleased with
5: it. Yeah, I mean, there, there have been a couple of mini dramas around uh, athletes being put into isolation because of you know testing positive with COVID, and there was a question of uh, you know would there be accusations of favoritism in terms of people being put in isolation or like well you know. And as you're saying, that, that could look bad for China, uh, but so far, have, we haven't seen any of those kind of those kind of claims that people are getting differential treatment. Is that right?
6: I don't think that I don't think that we've seen any um, uh, claims of differential treatment. I think there was there was a story uh, because all, all the I, I, I've been watching a lot of the, the, the Western media uh, talking about the games, and they had to front load every story with some sort of negative thing. Uh, if, if, if they're, uh, if they're talking anything positive at all, but there was a story on, uh, CNN, I'm sure it was on some other, uh, media, uh, I think it was a, a Belgian, uh, uh athlete who was Instagramming her, her, um, her, um, uh, discomfort at being isolated and, um, um, outside of the Olympic village, something to this effect. Um, and then there was a report that the IOC, uh, helped mediate, and she was brought back to the Olympic village, but kept in isolation. So you know uh, but that doesn't seem to indicate favoritism. It just seems that uh, China has in place a protocol, and if you test positive, they try to deal with it uh, in a, in a reasonable way. Um, I, I will also say something else here it was uh, one of the things that I've been struck by since I, I came back is um, how extremely polite um, uh, people have been. And, and the government has done, and, and not that they were necessarily impolite before, but um, there seems to be uh, you know some sort of top-down messaging that uh, go out of your way to be polite to, to foreigners in in China, and whether or not this is pushing back against negativity in, in global media or if it's related specifically, uh, to the Olympics, or reports that foreigners were leaving because of uh, COVID control. I'm not sure. I'm delighted to, to see it. Uh, and, and, uh, but I don't I, I think there is a, a very uh, clear effort to avoid um, uh, uh, any sort of credibility to those types of uh, allegations.
5: So you think maybe the, the wolf warrior diplomats, the uh, the rabid editors at Global Times, everybody's been told to stand down a little bit for the next couple of weeks? Maybe? No,
6: I think it's clear that, that. Um, so I think they're two separate issues. I think it's very clear that, you know, there's been this uh, decision to focus on the positive. You know, when, when your media is connected to the state, as it is here in China, um, it, it opens up all sorts of, of criticisms uh, globally. Um, so China, of course, has criticized uh, the United States for politicizing uh, the Olympics. Uh, and I think it's it's kind of gone out of its way not to conflate uh, in, its, in its state media uh, positive messaging about the Olympics with negative messaging about uh, other countries, about the United States or, or other places. So I think that there's been an effort to, to limit negative discussions over the past uh, week or so, and, and we'll uh, go forward um, uh, through the Olympics, and then we'll go back to it. But I, I think the wolf... The Wolf Warrior thing um uh is, is a separate issue. Um um I think that there has been an effort to um not stand down but to be um more effective at messaging and, and um to, to, to as I say in Beijing, to tell China's story well mm. or to tell it better, uh without provoking necessarily in in, in, in negative ways. Um Uh, And so I think that these, this is being, this is a but not a a stepping back.
5: Okay, Uh, that's Professor Mahoney from uh, Professor of Politics at East China Normal University in Shanghai. Thanks for joining us today. We uh, Frank Fu uh, from right down the road at Hong Kong Baptist University uh, was with us on the show today. Frank Fu, thank you also for joining us today. Much appreciated. Uh, Paul Young, before you go, um, Mm -hmm. you know, is there something like you've been behind the scenes? What? can people watch for that maybe people who hadn't been behind the scenes hadn't seen before like if i'm watching the uh, the opening ceremonies tonight is there something i can look for that i wouldn't notice normally but you you might have noticed from behind the scenes that you'll look for
4: um not entirely sure about the opening ceremonies but i'm definitely excited about the upcoming events especially you know in terms of the uh the figure skating events and the you know snowboarding all the other events but you know particularly you know the figure skating event i think uh Everybody's trying to do as many quads as possible. I think uh, that didn't necessarily used to be as much of the case back in 2010. I think, uh, you know, most, most free programs for the figure skating events, uh, you know, had maybe one or two quads. But I think uh, coming into, you know, 2022, I think looking at the programs, uh, the different uh, technical uh, skills that they can do, it's, 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 it's basically, you know, how many quads can you do? And, uh, you know, that's always a very, uh, exciting thing to watch, especially since uh, you know, back in the days you know, for for me training uh for, you know, to get these skills and uh, to get these skills or to be able to land these jumps was was a very difficult task. And you, know, you fall many times, uh maybe thousands, ten thousands, you know, I can't count how many times, but uh definitely looking forward to the uh, skating event uh and the difficulty uh that they're going to, you know,
6: perform.
5: So yeah all right well, yeah. paul polix you've, you've given us a little bit more insight and flavor of what it's like to be a, an athlete at that level and try to get yeah. in there so we appreciate you coming on the show today that's pollux young he is a, a former national level athlete representing canada in figure skating and he was a participant at the 2010 winter olympics uh so we're looking forward to the next couple of weeks for the olympics gym mm-hmm. and now it's look forward, time to look forward to the rest
3: of the year yeah absolutely so, and we're yeah, looking to go. see
5: how we're doing for the Year of the Tiger. And we welcome today uh, uh, local Feng Shui Master Raymond Lowe. Master Low.
3: Good morning. Raymond Lowe, good morning. Or it I might be Andrew Work's predictions for the some, Year of the Tiger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you checked your horoscope, Jim? We may have some connection problem here, uh, Andrew. Um, I, think our, I think our producer, Yuki, is trying to get, get to him uh, Raymond Lowe back on the line
5: i've got a lot of so questions already, for him because my apparently yeah. I'm, I'm year of the rat jim and apparently my prediction is it's going to be a disastrous year for the year of the rat oh really a great really? year for my wife uh-huh. so just setting up the power imbalance in my marriage for the next year where she's right. killing it and i'm yeah. having a terrible year uh-huh. uh I, I don't know have you checked out yours yet
3: well i heard the other day that uh it's not going to be a particularly good year for for dogs and dragons and the dogs are going to end up in the river or something <laughs> something like that <laughs> I'm a dog, so I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that maybe uh, Raymond Lowe might uh, have a different take on what's the year of the Targo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and I, and I think we've got uh, Raymond Lowe back, actually. Uh, Feng Shui Master Raymond Lowe, good morning to you. Yeah. Good morning. Ah, oh, good morning. Thanks for joining. Us. Sorry about that. Yeah, we had a slight connection problem just now. No a bit. problem. So, but thanks, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, so we've got some Andrew Work here, who's the main host of this morning's program. Andrew, take it. That's in.
5: right. Raymond Lo, Feng Shui Master. Uh, you know, we're bringing you on today because Hong Kong wants to know what is the outlook for Hong Kong for the year to come. Do do you calculate Hong Kong's birth from a certain date, like 1847, or a, a more historical, something before that? How, how do you calculate
8: uh, uh, No, we, uh, we just look at the Chinese calendar, which is a pair of elements. Mm. Uh, uh, this year is the water on top of the tiger. Tiger is a wood element. So therefore, uh, I just examine the influence of water and wood uh, on the people of Hong Kong uh actually, today is the arrival of spring day It is actually the first day of uh, the tiger year uh, so uh, uh, we have uh, suffering uh, from uh, too much water in the past two years uh, because uh, the previous two year twenty twenty is the uh, rat which is the biggest uh, water element mm-hmm. and also twenty uh, twenty one uh, is metal ox uh, also has uh, too much water and without fire. Mm. So that's why we are in the atmosphere with uh, uh, depression and, and uh, uh, fear. Uh, because uh, in the Chinese element system, uh, actually fire is happiness. So that's why we use red color all the time. Uh, but water is black color, which is uh, fear. So that, that's why uh, we are looking forward to the return of fire. Unfortunately, uh the tiger will bring a little hidden fire inside the tiger, so that's why uh, we expect this year the atmosphere will be much more positive than the past two years
3: Oh good improvement yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well
5: we we like we like that and do you craft a specific uh prediction for Hong Kong and is it, i mean and what is that based on? Is it based on Hong Kong's geography?
8: Uh, it's based on the feng shui of Hong Kong. Of course, uh, we say Hong Kong is actually the uh, one of the best feng shui sports in the world, uh, in southeast of China. Uh, so that's why uh, in January, uh, we are in bad luck. Uh, why? Because uh, in feng shui, the, the bad energy, uh, number five, <clears throat> and number two, which means sickness and misfortune, uh, concentrate in southeast. So that's why uh, Hong Kong suffered a lot in January. But uh, since uh, starting from today, uh, which is the arrival of spring, uh, the Feng Shui energy also changed. So this uh, bad luck energy number five and number two is uh, moved to the center, uh, which is no longer in the southeast. So, therefore, hopefully, uh, from now on, so uh, the uh, pandemic situation will be uh, starting
5: to improve. Mm. So that that's that's good news. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so we've got a bad January behind us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh,
8: particularly January is very bad because uh, uh, in the Chinese calendar, January is ox month in the ox year. Uh, so uh, this is duplicate. Uh, so also the uh, worst feng shui is in southeast. So actually the feng shui in January is the same as the SARS uh, in 2003. Uh, when we start uh, having SARS problem in April 2003, is quite similar to uh, the January month which we just uh, passed.
3: Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. And uh, um, what can we expect uh, for the rest of the year?
8: The tiger is a traveling star. Uh, That means that it will trigger movement. So therefore, uh, there will be, this is a positive sign to traveling industry. So hopefully we have some kind of traveling uh, returning to the world. And also, uh, because the tiger uh, contains fire element and fire gives people confidence and happiness. Uh, so, therefore, entertainment can come back. And also, when people have confidence, the uh, economy, economic activities will be more vibrant. Uh, so that's why the, we expect the stock market will uh, uh, be uh, benefit, uh, particularly in the first half of the year when we are in the spring and summer season. Uh, but uh, uh, we are waiting for the real fire to return. Uh, the real fire will return with the year of the snake, uh, which is 2025.
3: Oh, that's quite a long way away still. Uh, yeah,
8: so that's why uh, we say uh, the tiger gives us some kind of relief, but it's not uh, real recovery. And because uh, the next year, uh, 2023, is the year of the rabbit, mm-hmm. and the fire disappear again. Uh-oh. So that means... Uh, uh, the when we talk about uh, the economy, uh, it will be better in the first half of the year, but uh, you will have some setback and disappointment when we come to autumn. Uh, that is from August onward, is uh, not uh, so good like before.
3: Mm,
8: okay. uh, then uh, we really have to wait until the year of the snake right. uh, to, <laughs> to see a full recovery.
3: So, so uh, but
8: uh, I will expect some. Uh, back of uh, travel industry, entertainment industry, and uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, restaurants and uh, uh, cinema, that kind of uh, uh, activities will be better. Uh, because the tiger is also called an academic star. Mm-hmm. Ah. Academic star means uh, uh, people are uh, uh, like to learn, like 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 to acquire new knowledge. And also, it's uh, represent liberalism. Uh, so that means that there will be suitable for uh, like cultural activities and uh, like uh, entertainment, that kind, of, uh, advertising, that kind of thing.
3: Interesting that uh, the year of the snake should be associated with fire and. 2025. Uh, uh, 2024, I guess, should be the year of the dragon, is that correct?
8: Yeah, yeah, the year uh, of
3: the dragon. About, how about, how about, how about, how about the about Dragon, right? dragon yeah.
8: year? Mm. Yeah. Uh, dragon is earth element. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, uh, actually, dragon is not uh, as good as it sounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, therefore, in previous year of dragon, we have earthquake, natural disasters. Yeah. But tiger year will also bring uh, bad weather. Because uh, we look back the Chinese calendar, which is goes in 60-year cycle. Uh, the previous Tiger year is uh, 1962. Hmm. So uh, it's a year of uh, uh, typhoon. Uh, like uh, in Hong Kong, we have Wenda, uh, which killing hundreds of people. Right. Uh, and also there are bad uh, weather all over the world, like earthquakes and... Uh, uh, landslide and flooding because uh, we have uh, ocean water on top of the tiger. Uh, ocean water means uh, sometimes uh, impulsive uh, uh, actions. So that's why uh, it's also international tension will escalate. So oh. that's why we look back in 1962 is not a peaceful year. 1962 is a confrontation between USA and uh, USSR. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar to today, uh, over the Ukraine problem, but in 1962 the problem is Cuba, mm-hmm.
5: Cuban missile Cuba's crisis. Yes. crisis.
8: Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: just like we're we're looking at uh, looking at in Ukraine now. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah,
8: it's actually, exactly between USA and Russia.
5: Mm. Okay, so and, let's uh, see. So we so we've got we've got possibly an improving economy in the first half of the year, especially for entertainment. Restaurants, cinemas. I know a lot of friends in the restaurant business are going to be happy to hear that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, not so great in the second half of the year. Politics, a yeah, yeah. v- lot of potential for conflict. Uh, yeah. Weather very unpredictable, possibly very violent. Am I am I getting it right so far?
8: Yeah, uh, there is tension, but uh, tension. Uh, that's the uh, positive sign is. Uh, it is water over tiger. Water supports the tiger. So therefore, it's uh, we say the elements are in a supportive cycle. So therefore, there are a chance for peace. So uh, just like uh, the 1962, the Cuba crisis doesn't escalate into a war. Yeah,
3: peacefully uh, resolved. Uh,
8: it, mm. Eventually, uh, people exercise constraint. Uh, so that's why I, I expect similar things will happen like this year. Mm. So there are tension, but we may not go to fight
5: <laughs> okay uh, so
8: uh and uh then uh, when we look at the uh, the people uh, uh joe biden is uh into a better year than last year gotcha uh, last mm. year when he come to presidency uh, he has a uh, problem in afghanistan but right. this year uh, he is more supportive to his uh, luck because uh, he 's a weak fire person, he needs the tiger wood, mm-hmm. uh-huh. so therefore the wood helps him, so therefore he he will exercise more restraint
5: okay well, i 'm sure the fans of Uncle Joel will be happy to hear that i 've got to get uh, as we head for the uh, as we head for the end of the show here i 'm just going to get a quick one in from t c Tong on our Facebook page. She says the twenty twenty two Winter Olympics coming back to our original topic, will also be another litmus test on whether the proverbial heat in Hong Kong lasts for more than three minutes. In regards to interest in sports, in Tokyo, many Hong Kong athletes were medal hopefuls, but in Beijing, they're just there to participate. Um, you know, we might have to have you back, Raymond Lowe, to come and talk about uh, our prospects for the rest of the Olympics uh, later on. But for now, I want to thank you very much for coming us on the show today. Raymond Lowe, Feng Shui Master, thank you very much, and gong hei fa toi. So I want to say thank you very much to all of our listeners that tuned in today, especially those that uh, hit our Facebook page, sent us emails. Big thanks to our producer, Yuki Tsang, and my number one sound master of the day, James. We want you to tune in Monday when Jim, my main man, man, Jim Gould, and Mike Rouse will be back burning up the back chat airwaves of another panel of hot, hot guests in this year of this wet, woody tiger. Jim, really enjoyed doing the show with you today. Plenty of
3: fire on Monday.
5: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And now the weather. It'll be mainly cloudy and cold in the morning, Uh, but we're going to have a nice afternoon with a maximum temperature of around 17 degrees, a little bit chilly tomorrow, and temperatures will rise slightly next week, And but a little bit of rain on Monday. Be ready for it. The temperature now is 13 degrees with 69% humidity.
1: The new law to
3: regulate tenancies of subdivided units is now in force. Each regulated tenancy is for two years. The tenant is entitled to renew the tenancy once. The rate of
1: rent increase on renewal must not exceed the rate of change of the relevant rental index of the Rating and Valuation Department, and is capped at 10%. The landlord cannot charge non-permitted
3: expenses and must submit a notice of tenancy. For inquiries, please call 2150-8303. And now the
5: news
2: with Todd Harding at the time of 9.31. The chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group, Alan Zeman, says the restaurant trade saw a sad and quiet lunar new year, with business between 20 and 25% of what it usually was. Mr Zeman said it was a dire situation for the whole industry and warned of bankruptcies. A leading epidemiologist, Benjamin Cowling, says the government should divert resources away from inoculating children against COVID towards boosting the vaccination rate in elderly people. Just over 30% of people aged 80 and over are vaccinated. And four senior figures at Downing Street have resigned within hours of each other, putting renewed pressure on the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. They include his Chief of Staff, Head of Communications and Head of Policy. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Cheers, Tom.
1: Good morning. Uh, this is James Ross. It is the Morning Brew, uh, through until one o'clock.
3: Have you seen that girl? Have you seen her? She's the freakiest thing, you gotta meet her. You do whatever it takes to get her by
8: your side.